For if you read through my word in the book of Revelation, you'll see before the seals are opened, there is a time where there is a holy hush, where all of heaven goes silent. And I say to you that this earth is in that same place. There is a holy hush. Yes, there is a lot of noise in this world. There is a lot of bantering. There is a lot of back and forth. But in heaven there is a holy hush. And the holy hush is there because I am about to unleash my power and my spirit like it has never been unleashed before. I'm about to unleash my name and my word upon this nation and even upon this earth like it has never been unleashed before. In the next time, in the next season, even within the next two to three months, you will see a movement of my spirit that you have been crying out for, that you have been looking for, that you have been asking me for. But it is going to be done in a way and in a shape and in a season and in a time. And in a demonstration that will surprise you, that will catch you off guard, that will make you gasp. And will bring you into a deeper place of revelation and understanding of that which I am doing in this world and in this time and even in this season today. So Evangel, I will say to you, come into that place of holy hush. Come into that place of quietness within your own heart. Hear what I am saying even in the silence of my voice. For in my silence I speak the loudest. When you are quiet before me, I speak to those deep parts of your heart and of your mind and your soul. And is there I am preparing you for that which I am going to do in this next season. So Evangel, hear the atmosphere that is in this church right now. Soak in it. Breathe it. Let it become a part of who you are. A part of your everyday life. Because it is in that quietness that you will hear me. And it is in that quietness that you will see me. And it is in this quietness that you are feeling right now. In that place of reverence that you will see me do amazing things. Amazing things. Things that you have been asking me for. For some cases for years. It is in this quiet time and in this short season that you will see those things come about. So Evangel, I say to you again, just stay in this reverence, stay in this quietness. Make this a part of your everyday life. And you will see not only the salvation of the Lord come in and through you, but you will see the mighty works that I want to do in and for you. Thus saith the Lord. Come on, lift your voice to the Father. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voices as you lift your hearts to the living God. Father, we worship you and we bless you. Hallelujah. We worship you in the beauty of holiness. Oh God, we acknowledge and reverence your presence, Lord, in this moment. Thank you. Thank you for this moment. Oh God, my soul lives for this moment. Thank ha 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 ha. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we lift up our nation for you.
Lord, while there are so many things that are going, so many undercurrents, so many things that causes distractions and disappointments, Father. We thank you, Lord, that it is you that we look unto you. It's in you, Lord, that we live and move and have our being. It's you, Father. Hallelujah. That the very direction of this nation, Lord God, depends upon. So we lift up America. We pray, Lord, for our government. We pray, Father God, for our president and vice president. We pray for, Lord God, all the elected officials across this land. We pray, Lord God, hallelujah, for those, Lord, that are in office and those that are seeking higher offices. Father, we pray that you would get the glory out of what happens through the elections, that you would be glorified, that this nation would be turned to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father God, that we would fall on our knees and acknowledge you as the one true and living God. Hallelujah. And Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray for our unsaved loved ones. We pray for the lost, Lord. We pray that you would save them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would reach them wherever they are, for your hands are not too short that you cannot save. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would convict their hearts, that faith Hallelujah, would come alive in them. In the name of Jesus, draw them by your spirit. God, save them as we pray. Our unsaved loved ones, Lord, we lift them up now. We pray, Father God, for every chaplain today, every FRC, IAC chaplain. We lift them up before you and speak blessing and grace and strength over their lives. Courage for the assignment and task ahead of them. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for destiny schools of ministry. We pray, Father God, for every teacher, Lord God, for the dean of our schools, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for every facet, every area, Lord, every branch, hallelujah, of education in this ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we pray in Jesus' name for our leaders. We pray for Apostle C and for Sister C now. We lift them up before you and speak blessing and favor over them. Strength, Lord. God. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray for Pastor Gardner this morning. We pray for his strength this morning. We speak healing, Lord God, even in his body. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, for our leaders from the very crown of their heads to the soles of their feet, we speak and declare healing in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you and we praise you right now, Lord God. As we lift up this great house, Father, we pray, God, that you continue to have your way. As we continue to seek your face, we continue to cry out, Lord, hallelujah, for revival, for renewal, for souls, Lord. We cry out in this house, oh God, that you would have your way here, Lord, that you would move by your spirit and power, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray for every family, every home. Home, every individual connected to this house, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, that we would acknowledge you, hallelujah, that we would come to the place of full and total surrender unto you, have your way in evangel, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, 
Move in this place, God. Move in this ministry. Move, Lord God, in every facet. Move, God. Let there be a move. Let there be a move of the Holy Spirit. Hover in this place, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our leaders, Bishop and Dr. Sharon. We lift them up before you, oh God. Hallelujah. Lord, as you do a new thing here, I pray that you would give them, Lord God, exact and precise strategies. Hallelujah. That you would give them precision. Hallelujah, Lord, even in decision and choices in the days to come. That you would make it, Lord God, undeniably clear. Hallelujah. What is next? We thank you for them, Lord. We speak blessing over them today. We speak favor and grace over them. Yes, and again, we speak grace, 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 and more grace. Strengthen them today with Almighty the inner man in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we bless you. God, we praise you. We give you glory for all that you've done, for what you're doing in this moment, and what you're going to do. We lift our voices. We lift our voices. We lift our voices. We lift our voices, lift our voices. as we lift our lives, giving you all the praise. All of the honor in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, with one voice, lift your voices now and give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise this morning. Come on. Come on, praise him like you're desperate for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we just thank you this morning. God, we ask for that heart of repentance. We ask that as we surrender all, the good, the bad, the ugly, we surrender it this morning, Jesus. You know our hearts, but God, we cry out to you. We cry out to you for forgiveness, for healing, for restoration, for cleansing. Lord, we want nothing to come between you and us. We thank you this morning. We thank you that when you look at us, you see the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you this morning, Lord, that for 39 stripes, every strike you took, God, represented every major illness. And God, you are the healer. So God, we thank you this morning that you heal us. Heal us from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. That, Father, you take our sin and you throw it as far as the east is from the west. 
cleanse us this morning. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our minds. God, you are a good God. God, we pray for every person watching, every person listening, every person in this building and online. God, everyone. God, we thank you and we mark each and every one and their families for the kingdom of God. And Father, we give you our hearts this morning. We surrender. We surrender. And we invite you to overtake our minds, overtake our hearts. Come in. Live, live, live in us. And God, we just thank you this morning. We thank you. We thank you that we are content with where we find ourselves. We are content with what you give to us. We are content. And wait on you to do whatever it is you will do. So we thank you for that holy hush. Hush our minds. Father, hush the enemy. Silence him in the name of Jesus. Hush our emotions. For we are a people that are led by the Spirit of God. Not by what we feel, not by what we think, not by what we think we know. We are led by your Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Touch us, touch our children, touch our grandchildren, touch our neighbors, touch our workplace, touch our schools, touch everything. Jesus, come on in. Come on in, Jesus. Come in. Come into our government. Man, Lord, we claim every one of their souls for the kingdom of God. We thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Chaplain Wayne, can you blow the shofar for us this morning? You see, today... Hallelujah. Today is a holiday for the Jewish people. They celebrate today the word of God because they have preserved it for over 3,000 years. So today is Shakav, where they celebrate the word, the Torah. Can we celebrate the Torah, the word of God this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 
paso a cada día ser día Aleluya. Amen. How many of you just sense the presence of God in this place? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you would say God did something for me this week? I know that. He saved two lives. We didn't know what was going on, but Deacon Michelle Irvin, Deaconess, is she here this morning or is she working? She's here. There she is. Her granddaughter and friend were in a terrible accident in Miami, and God spared them, and there's not very much wrong with them. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, God. When uh, people drive drunk, other people get hurt. Amen. But they are alive and well. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Well, I just want to welcome this morning. Pastor Rick and Maria Sherman, they're our EACM ministers. We are so thankful they're here. You know, they're, they're often here with us, but I just felt like the Lord wanted to recognize them today. Amen? And then all the way from Youngstown, we have Pastor Bill and his beautiful wife, and for some reason, Deborah. Okay, I'm having a little quirk there. Deborah and Bill uh, Smith are with us today, all the way from Youngstown. Would you just stand and greet everyone? Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Say, hey, family. That's right. We're family. And our family online, we love you, live streamers. We love you, love you, love you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then don't forget, you know, we're in the final, I think, like 16 days, something like that, till the election. But we want to really pray Tuesday and Thursday morning, 6.30 to 8, if you can come here. You know, we are pounding the heavenlies because uh, this is crucial time, not only in our nation, but in souls, for souls. We want to fill the kingdom. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if when we get up there, God's saying, man, I had to expand the kingdom. Amen? So uh, we're, we're just believing God for an incredible harvest of souls. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look at Luke 19 this morning. Say, wow! Here comes Jesus! That's what I called it. All right. 
Okay, well, we're getting there. Put on your magnifying glasses. Okay, amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for pro presenter. We bless them in Jesus' name. All right, look with me at 37 and 38 first, please. Luke 19, yep, 37 and 38. All right, look at this. Here it comes. And when he was, okay, that's called speed reading. Woo! Okay. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. So here's Jesus. And he gets on his little donkey, and he's coming down the road from Mount Olivet to Jerusalem. Now, if you've been to Israel, you know that that road literally is the only road that comes down from Mount Olivet into the city. And the cool thing is that's exactly where Jesus rode his little donkey. So if you go there, you're walking down the same road. But... The idea of Mount Olivet, I want to give you just a little culture picture here. Mount Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, is right up the road there from Jerusalem. And it's near the Garden of Gethsemane, but the key thing is there is a cemetery there, right at the Mount of Olives. And it probably is about 150,000 buried there and if you ever have been there uh, and they do it here too Jewish cemeteries they bury everybody one right next to the other so like you can't go there to a cemetery if somebody dies and pick your favorite spot okay you don't have any say in that they just tell you where you're going to be buried and they, they line them up just like this, one right next to the other. And they don't, uh, you know, they're very economical. They don't uh, give you a big space behind you because they give you enough space to bury you. And then there's a grave behind you and just rows and rows and rows of graves. Now, they do that here, too. My grandparents and my uh, relatives are buried at uh, Workman's Circle Hebrew Memorial Chapel. It's right up here on Gratiot and 15, and which blew my mind because I thought there must have been a large uh, group of Jewish people that lived in this east side neighborhood at one time. But uh, that is a very popular cemetery, and if you go there, again, it's just rows and rows uh, lined up. And the headstones sit straight up, and nobody gets a fancy one. Everybody gets the same kind of headstone. So just look at your neighbor and say, very economical. That's right. Because they believed that there were so many of them that they wanted to be sure, especially on the Mount of Olives, that there was enough room for everybody to be buried. Why? Because the Bible says, too, they believe that Jesus will return from the Mount of Olives. So they don't want to have to come from all over the world. They want to rise from the dead too and just be there. 
come out of their grave and turn and face the mount and see Jesus. That's why they're still waiting, waiting and waiting for the first time he comes, okay? So they wanted to be buried there, and so their headstones are all there. And now I'm about to explain to you the true meaning behind Luke 19, 39, and 40. But first, let's read 38, because we didn't get that one. Verse 38. Saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. So here's Jesus' disciples in him. He's coming down the road with his disciples on his donkey. And there, people are praising God. And we know that. That's Palm Sunday, right, for us. But all of a sudden, some of the Pharisees yell out, Hey, Jesus, get your little disciples in order here. How come they're all shouting and praising you? Only God deserves praise. See, they still were clueless. And so... I want to draw your attention now to 39 and 40. Look at this. Some of the Pharisees among the multitude said, Master, rebuke your disciples. Do you really believe they thought he was a master? No. They were just being polite. They were being what we call politically correct. Correct, right? They were being tolerant. Hello, are you getting this yet? We got a whole bunch in our present culture that feel we need to be politically correct. We need to be very tolerant. How many of you would say our tolerance has got us in trouble with God in this country? Okay, let's look at 39 and 40, I mean, verse 40. Now look what Jesus says. He answered and said to them, I tell you that. If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Wow. Now, we've used that scripture for centuries. Well, not centuries. But for a long time and figured, oh, Jesus meant, you know, it was rocky there and hilly. So he meant, man, if I have to silence my people, the the grounds are going to cry out, right? The rocks are going to cry out. Any rock laying around is going to cry out. How many of you, that's what you've been taught? Okay. I'm about to shake that up a bit. Because if you look back at the true Hebrew, what he was referring to are those 3,000 years worth of headstones. Right? All the headstones. He says, if I tell them to stop, it don't matter because the dead in Christ are going to rise up and they're going to shout praise. Wow. That changes things. He says, the gravestones are going to cry out. And what is he saying to us today as the church? He says, it's time for you to cry out. Don't wait till you're dead. Don't wait till your gravestone's got to rise up and cry out. Cry out, church. Cry out from a heart of repentance. And not just for you. 
for your kids, for your grandkids, for your neighbors, for the people in your workplace, for your communities, for your neighborhood, for the nation, and for the body of Christ. Because everybody ain't saved. Oh, but they all go to church. Thank you, Jesus. Yippee. One. You're the church. You're the church. I'm just going to keep pounding you with it. You're the church. You have to cry out. You have to speak out. This is the greatest hour in the church. But you know what? We just didn't get it back in 2001. We didn't get it. And here we are 20 years later, and now God's saying, you didn't get it. You better get it. Church, it's time to arise. It's time to speak out. How do I speak out? You speak out against what is unjust. You don't walk by when somebody is saying something off color, when somebody is saying something that is racially prejudiced, when somebody's saying something and it's anti-Semitic or just junk out of their mouth. You don't walk by and ignore it. You say, excuse me, love you, but wow, man, check your words. You don't have to get ugly. You don't have to punch them out. You just got to speak out. Speak out. Man, I've had people walk by and say, you don't believe all that Holocaust stuff, do you? Yes, I do. Come with me. I want to take you to lunch. We're going to stop at the Holocaust Memorial Center. So I can show you history. See, you don't have to get ugly, but you have to speak out. When somebody makes an off-color remark about a woman, don't sit there and just, (laughs) no, speak out. That's disrespect. That could be your daughter. That could be your wife. That could be your girlfriend. Speak out. I've had people say to me, I I don't want to take this job I've been offered. I said, why? Well, it's in a factory. You know, they just say all kind of stuff and do all kind of stuff. I said, yay, you get to be a light. You be where the buck stops. You be the one that says, oh, oh, don't, no, we're not talking like that. Oh, go in the bathroom, anoint the whole place, and pull down all the garbage from the walls and say, Jesus Christ is Lord in this, John. Hello? See, we got to speak out. We cannot be silent in this. You go be silent and do what the prophetic word of the Lord said this morning. You go be silent in your closet of prayer and watch if God don't push you, nudge you, shake you to get loud in the earth. Jesus said, man, if I silence my disciples, these headstones will rock. rock. (laughs) They'll get up and they'll start shouting. As long as you have breath on this earth, make a difference. As long as you can breathe and as long as you can speak, make a difference. 
I pray that every day, Lord, let my life be used for something for your glory. And if not, God, then let me go home because this is useless. How many of you hear what I'm saying? We're called to cry out. We're, we're called to cry out against everything that is ungodly. Man, I'll never forget my youngest. She's 31. Right, Phil? No, she's 30. 32? 30. Okay, see, I, it was such a delightful experience I can't remember. Okay. Anyway. That's my son-in-law and my grandson right there. I love them. So she went to school, and, you know, she loved to go to the library. I don't know if it was to play or because she really liked to read, but she came home with a book. And, I, you know, Bishop and I sacrificed and sent him to a Christian school. And so she comes home with this book on magic. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, I said, where did you get this? At the library, Mom. You got this at what library? When did you go to the library? Today we went during third hour. Okay, we're going to talk to third hour. <laughs> so I called the school. I knew the principal. I said, Mr. So-and-so, I said, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, the education you provide for our children. However, I'm very upset. I said, my daughter came home with a book on magic. Oh, Cheryl, don't get so bent. I said, well, let me ask you this. Would you get bent if I pulled her out and now you're so many thousands of dollars short next year? Oh, no, now you wouldn't do that. Oh, I will do that. Because if I have to, I'm going to get your attention. I don't want my kid reading magic. So, you know, I'm a woman, though. So he calls Bishop. He said, Dr. Jerry, he says, you know. And, and Bishop said, no, what? My wife called you. I know, but, you know, but, uh, Mr. So-and-so, do we need to pull her out? Because we will. We'll find a place that believes what we believe. Man, I'm telling you what. They went through that library. Man, they went through that library. That librarian lady, she calls me. She goes, uh, Dr. Cheryl, she says, you know, we went through and we pulled out everything that could be questionable with it. I said, good idea. She says, we just didn't have the time before. I said, that's interesting. You found time now. Yay. We got to speak out. Or the headstones are going to get up. The dead in Christ are going to rise, and they're going to just tap us on the shoulder in our sleep and say, hey, get up. Speak up. How many of you are with me? We got to cry out. There's a scripture, and just jot it down because I didn't have them hang, uh, put it up there, but it's Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. That scripture is not to mean that God's only found at certain times. And if you don't hit the right time, you ain't going to find him. See, we get these interpretations. 
Listen to what that scripture means. More, the more you're in the presence of God, the more you're going to get alone with him, the deeper the intimacy. That's what it means. It means that as you get into his presence, as you keep seeking, that's what you got to understand. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That translates keep seeking the Lord so that you keep getting more intimate with him. It doesn't mean that you never sought him and all of a sudden you're seeking him. It means a keep on keeping on so that you get deeper and deeper into intimacy with him. And when it says that he may be found, that word found translates in the Hebrew that you fall right into him. You fall right into Jesus. How many of you have ever tripped and fallen? Well, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to trip and fall right into him. Does that make sense? As you fall into him, you get his heart. You fall into him, and he is right there near you to catch you. That's the beauty of really going back and seeing what they meant. It's not. We've taken that scripture and and preached it to sinners. God wants your heart. So here, seek the Lord while you may be found because he's not going to keep striving with you. That's what we've done with that scripture. You better go seek God and you better get saved while you can. Because he's not going to strive with you. That doesn't mean, that's not what it means at all. It means the more you seek him, the more you fall and fall deeper in love with him, that at some point he's right there and you fall right into him. Awesome. That's what he's calling us to, to cry out, to stay in his presence and keep crying out and stay in his presence. And he gives you stuff to say. So it's not you talking anymore. It's Jesus talking. Hallelujah. Say, wow. Here comes Jesus. Another thing about the Mount of Olives. Very interesting. How many of you ever seen a mustard seed? It's not even the size of the pin, top of a pinhead. I mean, you got to almost sometimes get a magnifying glass to see a mustard seed. But how many of you ever understood about the mustard plant? Very interesting. Now, when you go to Israel, some of their walls like their brick walls and stuff, it just gets carried away. Mustard seeds multiply. And before they even know it, that mustard thing, that bush is everywhere. You know, we got, think, what we have here are, um, what are those uh, ivy plants that grow everywhere? I think they're pretty, but some people are like, oh, I got to get rid of that. I love them. But the mustard plant is like that. It grows everywhere. Grows up the wall, grows up uh, the staircase. I mean, anywhere there is mustard seeds, that thing will grow. Now, the interesting point here is that for the people that live in Israel, it's, it's, they hate it. They fear when they see mustard seeds because the thing is uncontrollable. 
And you can't kill it. You can't stomp it out. You can't crush it. No matter what you do, that thing grows and grows and grows and is uncontrollable. You can yank it down, and within the next six months, you got mustard bushes everywhere. Because once it takes root, it cannot be destroyed. Hello? Once it takes root, it cannot be destroyed. You can't stomp it out. You can't burn it out. They try to burn it out. They can't burn it out. So let's compare the mustard seed to the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the kingdom of God. Say, I'm the kingdom of God. That's right. So once we get planted, once we get planted in Jesus, we cannot be moved. We cannot be stopped. So if God says, you better talk to so-and-so about such-and-such, you might be very nervous, but man, you are planted, and you'd rather displease Mother Nature than God. Hello? Once you get planted in who he is, you can't be stopped. You can't be burnt out. You can't be dug out. You can't be shoved out. You can't be shut up. You can't be. Because you're planted in him. And you're solid. And you might be a little butterflies on the inside, but you're a mammoth on the outside. You're like that mustard plant. You just take over. You just take over. It takes over. Is God telling us to take over? Yeah. In love. Take over with love. Love. Love the hell out of people. That's right. Dr. Cheryl, you just cussed in the pulpit. It's in the word of God. Love. Love them. Love your enemy. Do good to those that persecute you and hurt you. Love. That's how you take over. Because when the world sees love, they can't do anything but melt. Love. He says, take your mustard seed of faith and get planted in me, and you're going to find yourself speaking out. You're going to speak to that mountain. See, remember when Jesus, right after that, he said to his disciples, if you speak to the mountain, you can cast that thing into the sea. Do you know what he was talking about? 
because he was standing, preaching to them. And they were standing, coming down the road. And what was going on? They saw Mount Herodium from where Jesus was standing. And they saw the Dead Sea. See, Jesus was real simple. He wasn't trying to get them to get all mystical or try to figure out what mountain. He just said, see that mountain? You can tell it go cast into the sea if you take that little mustard seed of faith. In other words, he was using his atmosphere to minister to the people. Cast them into what sea? The Dead Sea. It was there. We just freak out because we don't have seas around us. We don't got mountains. But he's saying, it's that simple. Take that little teeny bit of faith you got. You can't hardly even see it. It's, a, it's so little. He says, but when you believe in me, he says, man, you can tell that mountain, go get in the sea. That's what he was talking about. Because once you're planted in God, you can't be moved. That's why, you know, how many of you ever, you hear the stories about uh, the persecuted church and you hear how, gosh, the one woman was put into a container with another woman who was mentally ill and violent and she was there, I forget how many, two years, I think, just rolling around in this container and she came out alive and the other person got saved. The, the woman with mental illness got saved by the woman that was in the container with her. And it blew the guards' minds. See, because they can do stuff and we just like are in awe thinking, oh my word. But see, when you get planted, nothing will change your mind. Nothing. When you know that you know that you know because you've gotten into situations that only God could deliver. You've gotten into circumstances that only God can deliver. I mean, look at little David. How many of you got your stone from last week? All right, you better look at that stone every time and say, I'm a giant killer. That's right. But... How many times did, did David kill the bear and the lion? He wasn't afraid and because he knew what he knew, what he knew. He was planted in his God. And so we're called to be like those mustard plants, immovable, unshakable, Feared by people, not because we're violent, but feared by people because they don't know what God's going to do next. We're called to be like that. We're called to be those mustard plants that grow unstoppable with the love of God all over the earth. See, the question you have to ask yourself every day is, did I love today? Did I love today? Did I love somebody? Did I love my husband, my wife? Did I love on my kid? Did I love on my neighbor? Did I love on my grandkids? Did I love on the people at work? Did I love on them today? Now, why did Jesus ride through town on a donkey? Say, wow! 
Here comes Jesus. Here's he coming on this donkey. Why do you think he chose a donkey? Now, a donkey does represent humility and peace. Cool. Everybody hold your fingers up and go, peace. That's good. But Jesus knew what the prophets had said. Well, where are you getting this from, Dr. Cheryl? See, he came. He said that. He said that in his word. He said, I came to fulfill the law, not abolish the law, right? I came to fulfill what the prophets have said. Well, let's look at two little prophets. If we look at the life of Abraham and the life of Moses, we're going to see that the donkey went down in history. See, when Jesus was in the earth, he used a donkey, but he's coming back for us on a horse, on a war horse. He ain't coming back off the Mount of Olives on no donkey. I mean, I love donkeys. Don't get me wrong. But he's coming on a white horse, on a black horse, on a purple horse, on a green horse. He's coming back on a war horse. But here he is. Here's Abraham. And rabbis believe that Abraham went through 10 testings. And the final test was the sacrifice of his son Isaac. And he passed all the others. And here he's coming. So in Genesis 22, 3, do we have that? I'm winding down. Yes? Okay. Genesis 22, 3. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his, oh, I got to cuss again, ass, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. Okay. So then, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. So Abraham was in his last test there and he had to go up. So he saddled his donkey. See, Abraham was a prophet. He used that donkey to carry the supplies. Ooh, I'm getting a note from the boss. I can't read it. I don't know what it says, but that's okay. Um, and so Abraham is demonstrating his faith because all he had to go on was the word of God, right? So Abraham settles his donkey and grabs his kid and says, come on, we're going up to the mountain. Now, I don't know how well that would go over today. Well, you just don't understand. God told me to kill my kid. Now, some, some people would say, I understand that. But, right? I don't think that would go over big today. But here he comes saddling his donkey. And what I want you to gather from this is that Jesus was greater than Abraham. In fact, Abraham says that. And I'm just going to give you that scripture, John 8, 56. He says, Jesus 
said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then the second time Jesus is again fulfilling prophecy about the donkey is Moses, Exodus 4.20. Look what happens here. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. He took them on a donkey. Now, you're going to say, oh, well, Pastor Cheryl, that's how they got around. That's okay. But God's doing something there. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. And he knew it. Because he's still trying to get through their thick heads He's the Messiah. And so here we see that Moses, the prophet, saddled a donkey. Jesus rode down the road all the way to the city on a donkey. And look at Acts 3.22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Moses foretold that Jesus was coming. Moses said, like unto me, him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. What's he talking about? He's telling him, the father is raising up a prophet. Jesus came down on that donkey to instill in them, I'm it. I'm the fulfillment. But they weren't getting it. Some were, his disciples were, but the good old Pharisees, they were being dumb. We've got to know him. We've got to be planted in him. We've got to see that when he speaks, we listen. He orders us to do something, we do it, even if it doesn't line up with what we think. Even if we're expecting him to do it this way and he decides to do it that way. Well, Jesus, I'd have recognized you if you'd have come in on a horse, but you came in on a donkey. Jesus, I would have got it if you'd have given me what I needed to pay my rent this month, but you waited till the day of. Jesus, I needed to be healed. I needed to go back to work yesterday. But today I'm feeling really good. What's up? How many of you are getting this? You got to be planted. We got to know that we know. See, the whole picture today is one of sacrifice. One of humility. One of strength. One of repentance, one of redemption and transformation. That's what we're in a season of. Everybody wants miracles. Jesus wants a miracle too. He wants a miracle of seeing his people on their face, crying out to him, being humble, broken, touched, and doing the work of the kingdom. 
We all like all the good stuff. We love, oh yeah, tell me more. Tell me more, Pastor Cheryl, about transformation and redemption. Yeah, I'll tell you more, but it starts with repentance. Crying out to him, Lord, I missed it. Lord, you got to change me. Lord, if you don't change nobody else in my house, change me. Stop with the asking God, change that guy you gave me. Change that woman you gave me. Change my kids, they drive me nuts. Change the guy at work, he's a lunatic. Change this, change that. We got all this stuff. Just say, you know what, Lord? If you never change anybody, just change me. Transformation. How many of you would say, I've been transformed in this whole pandemic? I am a different person. I love it. Now, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I love it. I love the change. Listen, if God can make me cook, there is a God. Right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I want to close with this thought. He's calling us to live every day as if he's coming back tomorrow. Live every day. That means don't take the offense. That means cleanse your heart. That means love. That means be before him daily. Because if you said to me, well, if he was coming tomorrow, I would do this, then do it. If he's coming tomorrow, then I want this to change, then change it. If he's coming back tomorrow, then I got to change this and do that, then do it. Live every day as if he's coming back tomorrow. Be humble, be broken, be repentant. In other words, actively, actively, actively long for him. Actively have a passion for him. Actively. Listen, worship. When Pastor Eric, he's, our worship team, man, is awesome. 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 But when he gets up, don't wait for him to say, lift your hands and worship. Don't wait for him to say, evangel, sing. Just lift your hands. Start singing. Start worshiping. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift our hands. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, those of you that are online watching, just lift your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want to hear you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, we're just before you this morning. God, we humble ourselves. God, we just ask, we ask right now, God, for hearts that are just poured out before you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, pour out on
on us right now. Holy Ghost, fall. Holy Ghost, fall. Fall on us right now. Jesus, we want to be planted. We want to be solid. We want to be firm in you. In the name of Jesus right now, God, transform our lives. Transform our lives. If you need a healing this morning, just lift your hands all around the building. God, you see these that need a healing touch. If you need a healing in your mind, if you need a healing in your soul realm, if you need a healing in your body, just lift your hands. God, you see these right now. God, we are your people, and we are firm and planted in you. And God, we are lifting one another up this morning. Now, God, you see these that need a healing. Holy Spirit of God, blow through this place. Blow through this place with healing. Healing. Healing for their emotions. Healing for their minds. Healing for their bodies. God, in the name of Jesus, if you need financial help, if you need your finances touched, lift your hands. God, right now, you see these, these that need a financial touch, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we just right now ask for a pouring out of finances on these, God. These are your people, and we are Firm, we're planted, God, in you. Touch your people right now, God. Pour out. Give them a gift. Give them a surprise. Give them an unexpected blessing, God. In the name of Jesus, God, I decree raises, raises, raises. In the name of Jesus, I decree jobs, good jobs, well-paying jobs. God, you take care of your own in this season. You take care of your own all the time. We need good jobs. We need finances. God, I just decree it. Overflow, overflow, overflow. If you're not... If you're not tithing and giving like the Bible tells you to, just tell God, say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me for not tithing and giving, but forgive me for expecting you to do something first, and then I do it. God, I need to walk in faith and do the giving first, and then you're blessing God. Help my faith. And forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Oh, thank you, Father. If you have unsaved loved ones that you have been pound in the heavenlies for, lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Every hand represents a person, God, that needs to get saved. Or many people. God, right now, we call them in. We call them in. We call them in, God, in the name of Jesus. We call them in. And we mark them for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.